Hi guys, this is Fatal Tales. My name's Katie. And I'm Azra. And I need to know what the fuck is happening in the UK. <laughs> Tonight we <I'm> learned <laughs> that in the UK, uh, lemonade is fizzy or like like a soda. Yeah. Um, and apparently everything that ends with aid is fizzy there. So they have shit called cherry aid and orange aid, but they don't have like orange soda like Fanta or cream soda or cream Fanta. Like what the fuck is wrong with the UK and Australia also? They also don't have orange cream sickles, which feels like a sin against humanity. And they don't have fudge sickles. Excuse me. Jesus I'm, Christ. I really need a cream sickle now. I need a fudge sickle. I don't like orange creamsicles. Controversial opinion. Excuse you? What? Who do you think you are? I am Azra. Hi, I'm <laughs> here. I'm gay. <laughs> I want a fudge. I love fudge sickles. I don't even like ice cream sandwiches. Ice cream sandwiches are disgusting. Another controversial opinion. That's not controversial. That's true. Ice cream sandwiches are gross. If not gross, certainly overrated. Like, there's still sugar, there's still ice cream, they're fine. But, like, they are messy to eat, and the, like, cookie part is never that good. Just right. give me a fucking then, Oreo. All the ice cream in it comes out the other side right. <laughs> while you're eating it, and it's just like, what the fuck is this? Like, I didn't want ice cream on my hands, thank you. Right. So... Okay, when I was in middle school, we used to have, like, I think it was Tuesdays that were ice cream days or something. And so I would always go in with my toonie. Because, yes, in Canada, we have toonies. Those are our $2. And, um... Why you $2? Never mind. Go ahead. Okay, we have a $2 coin. Fuck you. So I went in with my toonie. And I would pay for my ice cream. And I w- you could get, like, an orange creamsicle. Or you could get, like, a ice cream sandwich. Or you could get a fudgesicle. And I would always, always, always get the fudgesicle. Because everything else was disgusting. Excuse you. Yeah. You could also get, like, you know those cup? Those frozen cup ice creams that they give you, like, in the hospital? Or oh, like the vanilla ones that are boring? <laughs> yeah. Gross. Yeah. And yeah, you, you eat them with, like, those. the little piece of wood that's in there? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then whenever you take a bite, you can taste the wood. And they're like, yeah, here, here's your spoon, quote unquote. Right. It's, like, it's, and it, fucking, it, it's wood. It, okay, the wood, it would just remind me of being in fucking band class because when I was playing the clarinet, like, obviously there's wood when you're playing the clarinet. Like, you have to, like... Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. There's wood in a clarinet? To prepare yourself for playing the clarinet, you have to, like, soak the reed in your own spit, basically. So, like, while you're assembling the clarinet, you keep the reed in your mouth to kind of moisten it, which is so gross. And then you would assemble the clarinet, and then once the reed is nice and moist, you put it on, you attach you it to the to clarinet. You have to moist. Moist. <laughs> moist. Oh, stop it. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> is this necessary? It's very necessary. But yes, so eating those ice cream cups reminded me of when I was in, of like being in band class because it would be like, I'm just fucking eating my goddamn reed. Gross, thank you. You're, you're so welcome. I'm so glad that I made this a thoroughly pleasurable experience for you. You know, we have tangented so hard tonight at every possible we- moment. <laughs> we really have. Okay, so... 
we need context for this so context is we are in a group chat with like two people from the uk and one person from australia and we were talking about like how our foods are fucking different and i ended up sending pictures of like what like creamsicles are in the chat because everybody was like fucking shook creamsicles are so good they're one of probably one of my favorite ice creams it's okay babe i still love you get out okay (laughs) let's talk about the fucking case for azar and i fight (laughs) okay yes so today we're talking about the case of mr cruel and it is an unsolved case our tangent at the beginning was very light-hearted but this case is very serious we're gonna be taking it pretty seriously all the way through we just want to give a warning that we're going to be talking about children in this case and specifically sexual assault against children so if that's something that you don't want to hear that you're not comfortable hearing feel free to skip this episode we're not going to go into too much detail about it but we just wanted to let you guys know but yeah i guess we're just gonna get right into it we're gonna start by talking about the crimes on the night of august 22nd 1987, in the suburb of Lower Plenty, Melbourne, Australia, a man broke into a family home where a mother, father, 11-year-old daughter, and 7-year-old son were sleeping at around 4 a.m. He entered by removing a pane of glass from a window in their living room. He was armed with a gun and a knife, and he forced both parents onto their stomachs and tied their hands and feet up. He then proceeded to lock them inside a wardrobe. He tied the seven-year-old boy to the bed and then raped the 11-year-old daughter. After this, he cut the family's phone lines before fleeing the scene. On December 27th, 1988, in Ringwood, another uh, Melbourne suburb, the same man broke into the Wills family home through the back door at about 5.30 a.m., He was once again armed with a gun and a knife. He forced both parents onto their stomachs, tied them up, gagged them, and demanded money from them. He also cut the phone lines. He put tape over 10-year-old Sharon Will's eyes and a ball gag in her mouth and abducted her. He kept Sharon and abused her for 18 hours, and then she was released. She was found at Bayswater High School dressed in plastic garbage bags. On July 3rd, 1990, about two years later, in the suburb of Canterbury, Melbourne, the same man broke into 13-year-old Nicola Linus's home through a window at 11.30 p.m. He was armed with a gun and a knife and forced Nicola onto her stomach, tied her up and gagged her, and then placed tape over her eyes. He abducted her and drove her to a house where he molested her for a full 50 hours before she was released. She was released in the suburb of Kew, Melbourne. Now, he reportedly told Nicola exactly how long he would be keeping her and when she would be released, which, like I said, was 50 hours after she was abducted, which kind of shows just how carefully he planned this that he knew exactly how long he was going to be keeping her yeah it seems like mr cruel that's what the police dub him or i guess what the newspaper dubs him is very meticulous Mm -hmm. he drove the cars with the girls in different directions and even changed cars in order to confuse them both of the girls who he abducted were shackled to what they described as a quote detention bed 
with a neck brace, and he forced the girls to shower and brush their teeth after they were assaulted. He also wiped sinks and other surfaces to avoid leaving fingerprints, and put down a sheet on the linoleum floor to avoid leaving footprints. So he's very, very careful about leaving any sort of DNA on the girls, or even, like, inside his home in case his home ever gets searched. Like, he's extremely careful so he knows what he's fucking doing at this point he's aware of like what forensic countermeasures to take and how to avoid being caught Mm -hmm. yeah now one girl that he had returned he took clothes with him from her house so that he could give her back in a different set of clothing than she had been wearing when she was abducted so that he didn't leave any evidence on the clothes. And the other girl, obviously, he returned wearing only garbage bags because he didn't want the police to be able to test her clothes clothing. Basically, it's pretty clear that if he's not a cop, he at least has some basic knowledge of forensic countermeasures and what police do and how they investigate crimes. Right. Despite all of that, Some of the victims said that his hand shook as he was tying them with the complicated knots. And one thing to note is that it's very rare for sex offenders to stop, like, committing crimes. So it's likely that even though he's only attributed with four total, and we're about to talk about the last case, he probably did more. There were probably more in his lifetime that just weren't attributed to him that maybe were slightly different or just never got connected to these three or four right yeah police do think that he was responsible for dozens of crimes against children that they just were never able to completely connect to him the third sorry the fourth crime that police are sure that is connected to mr cruel happened on april 13th 1991 in the suburb of templestow Melbourne. I'm very sorry if I'm saying these suburb names wrong, by the way. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we are, but it's just because we have a different accent. So, sorry, yeah. Australia. <laughs> so, Mr. Cruel cut through a wire screen through a window at about 9.15pm, where Carmaine Chan and her younger sisters were home alone. Now, the home that they lived in was massive. It had five bedrooms and three bathrooms, and was surrounded by a two meter tall fence, which is about six and a half feet tall. It also had a gym, a sauna, a tennis court, and a pool. So clearly they're pretty fucking rich. Yeah. And the fact that he was brave enough and confident enough to break into this home shows how well he planned this and how organized he was. Definitely. And probably how long he watched his home and watched for Carmaine, which sickens me. Yeah, he's fucking gross. Yeah. Now, Carmaine's parents were working that night at the family's Chinese restaurant, so Carmaine was responsible for caring for her younger sisters on a regular basis. So this night was pretty regular. Remember, she was 13 years old, so she's 
old enough to stay home and take care of her younger siblings. There was no outside children's play equipment, but despite the fence and privacy of the family, the man knew that the kids would be there alone. So like I said, he has staked out this home, he's been watching them for a while, he knows exactly what the schedule is, and he knows exactly what's happening. Right. And then, so as he was coming into the home, he called out to the girls, I won't hurt you. He forced the two younger girls into a wardrobe, and then he tied up and gagged 13-year-old Carmaine. He placed tape over her eyes and abducted her. On the family car outside, there was graffiti that was spray-painted that read, Payback, Asian drug dealer, and more to come. This spray paint and this graffiti, the police think was to throw them off of the fact that it was Mr. Cruel. And when the police were investigating, a police dog tracked Carmaine's scent from the kitchen sliding door through the garden to a gate at the tennis court, across the court, to a second gate in the side fence. And then there is a two meter or about six foot drop to the street. After that, the trail went for another 300 meters or about 300 yards to an overgrown, like vacant block where he must have hidden his car. He got into the car, they drove away, and they disappeared, and Carmaine was never released. The other two girls, you know, 18 hours, 50 hours, and then Carmaine was never found alive. Her remains were found in Edgar's Creek a year later, and she had been shot three times in the head. That's so fucking tragic. And it's yeah, you know, people see this as Mr. Kroll's last crime. And we can talk about why that is later, but clearly there's some sort of escalation here from the first crime being just breaking into the home and raping the girl and then leaving, and then breaking into the home, kidnapping the girl, keeping her for for 18 hours, then keeping the next girl for 50 hours, and then obviously kidnapping Carmaine, keeping her for who knows how long, and then killing her. Like, she's 13, you know? Yeah. Like, it's really gross and sad and I don't know. I hate it. Yeah. Now, there is a theory that Carmaine was actually abducted by someone other than Mr. Cruel. Like Katie said, there was some cr- there was some graffiti at the crime scene, but police have ruled out the possibility of it being someone that the family knows despite these details, despite some people believing that the graffiti may be related to Chinese drug crimes. Police are pretty sure that or pretty positive that Carmaine's disappearance and death is related to Mr. Cruel. Now, the original investigation was dubbed Operation Spectrum, and it was the state of Victoria's largest operation ever. It was formed a few weeks after Carmaine's abduction, after, you know, police in Australia realized that it was clearly one person doing all of this, and police searched 30,000 houses, and 10,000 tips were investigated. And incredibly, 73 people were arrested, mainly for sex offenses, but we need to note that none of these arrests were arrests made for any of the Mr. Cruel crimes. They were just, you know, police following tips and things and then being like, oh, wow, you're a fucking pedophile. Right. I mean, I think a lot of them were probably child porn or things like that, where like, Mm-hmm. Somebody was like, yeah, this guy's kind of weird around kids. Maybe he could be Mr. Cruel. And the police were like, we'll check it out. And then they, f- you know, figure out, oh, oh yeah, something. he's a gross-ass human being. You're right. 
yeah like not mr cruel but definitely needs to be arrested (laughs) right lock that fucker up Mm -hmm. the newspapers originally wanted to call him mr cool because of his like cool temperament at the crime scenes and the fact that you know he would break in and didn't seem to really care about the parents but then obviously later on they changed the name to mr cruel and this change was made by a newspaper sub editor i think mr cruel is much more fitting because Mm -hmm. the stuff he did is super fucking awful also why would you name like a serial child rapist mr cool who thought that would be a good idea i'm sorry they're doing their best okay (laughs) they're doing their best it's just very poor decision making no you're right after the murder of carmaine chan the fbi from the united states did a profile on mr cruel to try and help the victoria police and this is what that profile said so They said he's probably somebody who's in steady employment. He's probably a good neighbor, polite, quiet. He might be somewhat introverted, but probably is involved in, like, certain community-minded projects, maybe with, like, schools or things where he would have have access to children. They said that they think he probably lives in a single-family home, so he's probably not somebody who lives in an apartment or a house that's attached to uh, other homes. He has some kind of private space to himself that he could take the girls to. They said that if he lives with someone, he would be absent during critical times, and if he's involved in a sexual relationship, the partner that he has would be aware of the sexual dysfunction that he had. So he might have some kind of fetish or kink that they would be aware of in their sexual relationship. The police also said that the people that work with him would notice a change in his behavior after the incidents. He might have trouble coping and would be likely to miss work and would appear rigid and distant to workmates, especially after those attacks. Some people may notice that shortly after the offenses, he appears stressed or changes his use of alcohol either drinking more or deciding to stop drinking. It seems clear that in his mind, there's no intent to harm the children or to harm anyone. He thinks that he's just doing what he needs to do, but without actually hurting them. Obviously, that's not how sexual assault works, but in his mind, he doesn't think that what he's doing is that bad. Especially Um, not sexual assault against children. Right. I mean, he's a fucking horrible person and what he did is awful. But in his head, he's able to rationalize it, is their point. They said that they also think he would attempt to alter his behavior as a result of the news news reports or police profiles of the offender. So he probably, as soon as a news report comes out of, oh, this is what he acts like or what he looks like, he would try to not act or look like that. They also think that he was probably a man that was between the ages of 35 and like the late his late 40s. They think he's probably slightly built and has sandy or ginger-colored hair. And he said that they, he, they think he's probably clean-shaven and soft-spoken and, according to the police, is quite caring in his own monstrous way. Yeah, I mean, maybe we could see, along with getting rid of the DNA evidence and things, him showering the girls or bathing the girls could be his way of caring for them and also releasing all of them except Carmine is his way of caring for them. Yeah, and I mean, he does feed them while they're there. The girls mentioned that he would be kind to them in weird ways and, like, almost acting like things were consensual when, like, they weren't, like, they were in some kind of a relationship with him. Gross. 
Yeah. Now, going back to what Katie said about the FBI profile and Mr. Krill potentially working in schools or anything like that, working around children, the FBI believed that he might be involved in school because, quote, in view of the fact that these incidents all occur during school holidays, we suggest that there is a high degree of probability that the offender is involved with the school, end quote. So every single attack happened on a school holiday like on a day that if he worked at a school he would be off which on one level that makes sense that if he did work at a school that would like be a factor for him but there's also a lot of like holidays that you don't necessarily have to work at a school to have the day off right like you can get the day off work like there's like federal holidays and things right like my job i get every single federal holiday off and like i don't work and anything related to schoolwork. Mm-hmm. Clearly, the FBI thinks that this is like enough to, and there is more that they think suggests that there is like a high degree of probability that Mr. Cruel is involved with the school or something else where he would be around children. Right, and I think that makes more sense to me even mm-hmm. than necessarily like the holiday thing. I think that could be a coincidence. Could just be that those are convenient days, or. It could be that he is actually working for a school, but it makes sense to me, like, that he probably did work for a school, if only just because that gives him more access to kids. Like, even if he was a janitor or something, like, you're going to be around kids. He wants to be around children, yeah. Yeah. Now, like we mentioned earlier, Mr. Krull is definitely thought to have kept his victims' homes under surveillance. During the investigation, one of the victim's accounts to police described how she counted out the seconds she traveled in Mr. Krull's car and then counted how many steps she took outside the car to the house. And then once inside the house he brought her to, she counted those steps as well and then remembered all of this so she could recount it to the police, which I think is just incredible for like a like a child like she's a child and she has the wherewithal she must have been terrified not knowing what's going to happen and then things to count all of this to tell the police you know it's incredible yeah like what a brave girl now nicola also told the police that the home she was being kept in had one step to get into after getting out of the car so like she had to step up Mm mm-hmm yeah Another one of the victims, we don't know which, told police information about hearing planes overhead and the timing of which they would come. This led police to concentrate their investigation on the residential area near Tullamarine Airport, where they investigated inside hundreds of houses. But unfortunately, despite looking inside this many houses, never found anything. Right. Now, Sharon described the room she was being kept in, and Katie did find, like, a really cool sketch like sketch of this room that Sharon described, and we will be putting a picture of it up on our Instagram. So, we'll link our Instagram in the show notes if you guys want to check it out. We'll put the sketch of the room she was being kept in, plus the bathroom of this house, plus the car that they were being driven in, plus, like, all the other images that we need to from this case because I feel like there's a lot of visuals to look at for this case that you guys will want but we'll put that all on our Instagram which will be in our show notes 
But um, Sharon described the room that she was being kept in, and she said that it was the second room from the front door, with full-length curtains, a double bed, light-colored walls, and a chest of drawers. She also said that a dark blanket was covering a bookcase or a cabinet, and police speculated that this blanket was covering this bookcase or cabinet probably to cover up his, like, personal items so that she wouldn't know like who he was or she wouldn't be able to tell anything about his life. Mr. Cruel is suspected of attacking up to as many as 12 children between 1985 and 1995. In 1985, two years before the first like confirmed Mr. Cruel attack, a 14-year-old girl was abducted from her home. She was tied, gagged, blindfolded, and taken to a building site where she was assaulted. The assaulter left her at a bowling center five hours after the attack. In the same year, in July of 1985, a 14-year-old boy was abducted from his home and assaulted in an unknown location for over three hours before being released. Now, I could see where they can, like, draw the connection between the girl and the rest of the attacks, but to me, I don't know that I necessarily would tie the boy to him just because most offenders, especially offenders of older children, are preferential based on sex. They're not going to go back and forth between girls and boys. Right. Um, Yeah, this is kind of something that when I read, I was like, eh, maybe, maybe not. I'm not really sure because it sounds like him, like if you... Like, it sounds like him being abducted from his home and assaulted in an unknown location and then being released, you know? It sounds like him. But, again, having it be a boy really doesn't seem very likely. But then again, Mr. Cruel is also interesting in that he doesn't seem to care about race either, you know? Right. Which typically is a, like, indicator, so it could be. Yeah, like, he might just not care. Now, Operation Spectrum was ended in 1994, um, and no one was ever arrested for any of the assaults, abductions, or the murder of Carmine. So, in 2006, police revealed that they believed Mr. Cruel filmed his victims. One victim had told police after her abduction that she had seen a tripod and camera set up at the end of the bed she was being kept on investigators only released this info to the public in 2006 in hopes of some sort of breakthrough tips so this was really some sort of last last ditch effort in hopes of like tips or some sort of breakthrough because they really had nothing to go on at this point the police also revealed that if mr cruel was still alive he would have kept the tapes of his attacks or photos from them so they wanted people to come forward if they knew of these photos or if they had ever seen them they also say he most likely continues to seek out child pornography online and may even chat with children online which horrifies me to my core that fucking disgusts me please don't let your child chat with strangers online i just please do not people are disgusting and there are people like mr cruel out there who will prey on your fucking child it's disgusting yeah and like if you're young there is no reason for an adult to be talking to you if anybody ever starts talking about things that make you uncomfortable or things like that online 
it's just block them just block just them. block them yes please don't worry about their them. feelings don't worry about just just if it makes you uncomfortable there's no reason for them to be talking to you there's just no reason to be talking to adults and there's no reason to be talking to people who make you feel uncomfortable there isn't yeah um Years later, a covert operation named Task Force Apollo was created to go over evidence from the initial investigation. And in 2016, on the 25th anniversary of Carmine's abduction, police boosted the reward for information about Carmine's death from $100,000 to $1 million. The trail is honestly kind of cold for these. It doesn't seem like the police have... A ton to go off of at this point and unfortunately Mr. Cruel was very very careful so it's hard to tie him to any of the cases even if they were to find somebody but the police do have some suspects right and yeah like we said it's an unsolved case but we're not gonna leave you without going into some of the suspects the main suspects that is so as of 2016 police had seven suspects that they were unable to rule out the spectrum force had created dossiers of each of these suspects calling them the sierra files now the first suspect this is the prime suspect of the case and he remains the prime suspect was a man named brian allen elkner Now, Brian Allen Elkner was a lecturer prior to his arrest in 1974 because between the years 1972 and 1974, he assaulted six women and young girls and was convicted and sentenced to 10 years in prison for for these crimes. So obviously, he's not a lecturer anymore after this prison sentence for these assaults he was released now at the time of these assaults he was married and he had three children and there are some similarities to the mr cruel attacks in that he had tied all the victims up threatened them with a knife and assaulted them like i said ryan was the prime suspect and so police were actively investigating him throughout the whole investigation but they never had enough evidence to arrest him for the crime however in 2011 after a 13 year old girl by the name of syria corn siraboon went missing brian's home was raided by the police because they believed that he was probably behind these just like they believed he was behind mr cruel potentially the police eventually were convinced by brian that he was not involved in Sarah Boone's disappearance, however, and so he was never attributed to this crime. Now, Brian claims to have been at his brother's wedding during one of Mr. Cruel's attacks, but says he cannot remember which one, which to me seems really odd because the Mr. Cruel attacks all happened in different years, and I feel like you could just call your brother up and ask him what year he got married, and then also, tell the police. <laughs> anniversaries are a date that people remember. Yeah. Even if Brian doesn't remember, his brother, this is extremely fact-checkable. The police right. can literally find out exactly when his brother's wedding was. So let's just fucking like what do you like it's just really weird now there's another suspect named by one article as quote john the article didn't give his real name so that's just the name that they've given him he was 
identified to the police by his partner or his significant other. She said that he spoke about Carmaine, the last victim, the one that died, while they were having sex. Ew! Ew, 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 ew. Yep. Yeah, gross. Even, Even if this is not Mr. Cruel, you're fucking sick. That is the most disgusting thing I could ever imagine. Like, I cannot imagine, let alone bringing up, like, a child during sex, bringing up a dead child during sex that sex that has been fucking murdered. Right. Ew. Like, what this the is fuck? disgusting. And, like, even, I think it might even be worse if he's not Mr. Cruel. Oh, my God. If he's not Mr. Cruel and he's just, like, a fucking... I wouldn't even be surprised because, like, there are so many fucking creeps in the world. I hate, I hate creepo men. I hate creepo men. I hate creepo men. I know. I know. He also appeared really anxious and nervous whenever news stories about Carmaine would come on, and he was really upset when her killer was dubbed Mr. Cruel. Um, So either he wishes he did it, or he did it. And either way, go fuck yourself literally like die in a hole you Mm -hmm. absolute piece of garbage you human trash yeah fuck you john whatever the fuck your name is i hope you're in hell yeah his partner said that he also regularly commented on another cold case and kind of implied that he was involved in the murder in some way that maybe he knew the killer or helped burying the body and apparently this case can't be identified because if the police said which case it was, it could lead to people figuring out who this guy is. I don't know what it was, or but th- just don't be fucking weird. Don't be a fucking creep, John. Literally, like, I think it's past the point of weird and past the point of creep at this point. We are verging on possible murder and probably pedophile territory here. Yeah, I agree. Now, John was self-employed. And he apparently was often away from the house traveling for his job. So that would allow him to cover and be able to kidnap children and be away with them for a while without arousing suspicion from anyone. According to the police, they were able to substantiate some of the woman's claims, but they weren't able to substantiate all of them. Some of them were difficult to confirm and others were a little bit fanciful and maybe not true so it's unclear whether this is mr cruel or this is just a guy that she's trying to frame as mr cruel or if he did all of these things and he's not mr cruel the police were never able to really say one statement that she gave said that he had been known to use drugs to help him to assault women but no reports were made at the time of the assaults that she claims happened And it's also alleged that he had a gun and several slides of homemade pornography, but he had destroyed those slides, and the gun that he had doesn't match the description of the one that was given by Mr. Cruel's victims. Which, we know how unreliable eyewitness testimonies can be, especially when you're in, like, a super stressful situation. Right, and not only that, but, like, he could have borrowed somebody else's gun, or he might have more than one gun. Right. Like exactly who knows 
Mm-hmm. I completely agree. I think to be in a position where you think your significant other is capable of raping and possibly murdering children. Break up with that hoe. Break up with them, but also, like, they must be the worst person on the planet. You know, like, I can't, like, it probably wasn't even a situation where she felt safe enough to break up with him because if she thought he was capable of doing that, can you imagine what that relationship was like? I cannot. I just, I don't, I will never understand. That's all. That's all I have to say. Yeah. Okay, so the next suspect that we're going to talk about is a man named Robert Keith Knight. Now, he was arrested and convicted in 1998 for kidnapping and sexually abusing two 12-year-old girls. So, right in Mr. Cruel's, like, age range there. Right. Now, it was his wife who turned him into police. She had already allegedly suspected him of the assaults, and then he admitted that he had taken photos of a 12-year-old girl to his wife when he when she asked him, and then she immediately went to the police. Now, obviously, he didn't tell her that he raped her or anything. He just said that he took photos of a 12-year-old girl, but what Where really there's happened... Smoke, there's fire. Yup, because what really happened was he abducted both of them and then took photos of them. These assaults happened 16 years apart. Once in 1996 and once 16 years before. Now, what ma- that this is something that makes him look really good as Mr. Cruel to police because obviously sexual offenders don't often take 16 year long breaks in between committing offenses. And that time gap between 1996 and 16 years prior to that is right in the time that Mr. Cruel's attacks happened. Right. So, you know, potentially he was doing those attacks and then got caught for those two, these two attacks only. Now, another thing to note is that Robert Keith Knight had a job as a youth worker and a volunteer position with the scouts, so this gave him plenty of access to children. He was released in March of 2009, which was 11 years after his arrest, which it makes me so mad, like, how little time these people get for assaulting, like, raping literal fucking children. I'm sorry. The way that the criminal justice system works is disgusting, because it's like, have some weed in your pocket twice? Okay, a hundred years but like rape a child you get out 10 years from now and it's it's like like a slap on the wrist and then you can just go out and commit more assaults on fucking children are you kidding me also it's like nobody fucking cares about drugs i'm sorry like you can go to rehab like it's also it's weed nobody gives a i'm sorry if you're listening to this nobody gives a fuck about weed yeah, I agree. It's legal in Canada, so you don't have to give a fuck about weed. It is legal in Canada, and I'm very lucky that it's legal in Canada, because I can say nobody gives a fuck about weed, because it's literally weed. It's like alcohol. Like, nobody- never mind, it's fine. We, we don't- we don't have to talk about drugs right now, but like- No. <laughs> you know, it's just dumb that, like, it had literal pedophiles who ruin children's lives are allowed to go back on the street and potentially ruin more children's lives when, like, 
15 year old boys who get caught with weed too many times end up in jail forever or even something like cocaine i'm sorry like i don't think people who get caught with cocaine should be going to jail i think they should probably be like getting fucking rehab getting help so that they can get their lives back on track i don't know whatever anyways back to the case sorry for we always do this yeah yeah you're right okay sorry back to the back to the case now after he was released in march 2009 he immediately went back to his old habits police believe that he sexually assaulted more people but they never were able to catch him for it but he did immediately also start collecting child porn which police did catch him for and in 2013 he ended up killing himself just hours before he was supposed to be in court now robert was also initially suspected of abducting and murdering 13 year old syria kun siraboon like brian but he was also eliminated from the investigation shortly before his death so yeah pretty much syria kun siraboon's kidnapping and death hasn't been attributed to mr quill at this point now sergeant o'connor stated quote based on the information that we have gleaned from our victims the crime scenes the investigation and our comprehensive probe into knight that knight did not commit the offense but i can't say to you categorically that he didn't so basically sergeant o'connor personally says that he doesn't think that knight robert knight is mr cruel but he can't say for a hundred percent certain that he isn't because of like the categorical evidence that obviously points that he may be mr cruel right i personally think he looks pretty good for it but obviously the police have a lot more information than we do so they probably know a lot more than what we just told you about why he looks good and probably know a lot more about like what points them away from thinking he is right those were three of the seven suspects that were in the sierra files that the police were never able to rule out the other four have either all died or moved away and moved to canada or something and basically there's not really any information on them pretty much the police know a lot about them but we don't but we've told you about the main suspects in this case like the ones that look really really good for it so now we're gonna go into conspiracy time this is something that's been disproven but like it's really fun we're gonna talk about like fun conspiracy but that like maybe the golden state killer was also mr cruel so at one time it was thought that mr cruel could be the golden state killer because first of all the golden state killer attacks stopped in 1986 and then the mr cruel attacks started in 1987 like the confirmed one did confirmed ones did so it was thought like okay the timelines match up obviously there's some similarities they both attacked victims in their homes although mr cruel started abducting his victims which i don't think golden state killer ever did but they both took forensic countermeasures concealing their identity to the extent possible with a mask, you know. They also both took breaks during the attacks to eat food from the victims' kitchens. So, um, Mr. Cruel and the Golden State Killer both would, like, go and make themselves sandwiches while they were in the middle of attacking people because they tied them up so they could take their time, which is disgusting. It was believed that they both meticulously stalked the neighborhoods of their victims and 
prepared for the attacks really like in detailed ways and took forensic countermeasures had at least basic working knowledge of police information they both were armed with both a knife and a gun um they both tied up the husbands to attack or like the parents to attack the children in mr cruel's case and they also both used expert knots or like more difficult knots than standard but there are a lot of differences as well the biggest is the age of the victims and that mr cruel sometimes kidnapped victims and the golden state killer I don't think ever kidnapped a victim. He pretty much only attacked them in their homes. And for the Golden State Killer, that power was kind of a part of it. Like, he wanted to be in the victim's homes for extended periods of time and just reign terror over them, where it doesn't necessarily seem like Mr. Cruel was intent on reigning terror so much as he was there to get one thing, and that was those kids. And then once he had that, he was done right yeah i don't think he cared about that power that terror really at all i think he just wanted the kid he wanted those girls he wanted to assault them and then once he even did assault them once he kidnapped them and when he had them with him it didn't seem like he wanted power over them he almost like took care of them in his own really fucked up way like he was obviously assaulting them and abusing them but like was still taking care of them in his own twisted way so like not trying to scare them like not thinking he was scaring them you know like i said he kind of there was certain amount elements where he wanted it to be like a relationship or more consensual than it was Mm -hmm. obviously consent is not ever a thing with children but beyond that like this was horrifying and awful what he did but he did have kind of a very different attitude towards it than the golden state killer did right that's kind of just the point and then obviously victoria police have just ruled him out and ruled him out and ruled him out and been like no it's not the golden state killer it's not the golden state killer how many times do we have to fucking say it's not the golden state killer (laughs) and then when the golden state killer was identified in california as joseph d'angelo they were like yeah no it's not fucking that guy shut up (laughs) yeah so Yeah, kind of confirmed it. Right. Okay, so that's it. Like, we've gone through all the suspects now. So I want to talk to you about who you think, out of the suspects we've named, who do you think it could be? Or do you think it's none of them? I think that two of them stand out to me more so than the third. And I think that the one that I think is most likely is the one that wasn't identified in the article. He was never, like, convicted of anything, so I think that's why the article didn't identify him. I think that he makes a lot of sense because of the way that he acted about certain things. If his partner, significant other, wife, whatever she is, is telling the truth about things, I think that it sounds really compelling and that that could definitely be him. Right, like this guy, quote-unquote, John. I I think think saying her name during sex, like, Carmaine's name during sex is fucked. I absolutely not. No, that is not okay. Never okay. I think he looks good for it as well. Who else do you think looks good? I think that the other one that I think looks like pretty suspicious also is Brian Allen Elkner. One thing that is really compelling to me about him is between 1972 and 1974, he attacked all those people and then he stopped because he was in prison for 10 years. And then he got out of prison after that 10 years 
and then the Mr. Cruel attack started, especially if they started in 1985 instead of in 87. Like, that's almost perfectly lined up with when he would have gotten out of prison. That's very, very true. Um, And also, he was the prime suspect. Yeah. I think he makes a lot of sense to me. I don't, I mean, there's no way to know for sure. Obviously, we're not the cops. We aren't investigating this. But I think that he makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think to me, Brian Allen Elkner would make more sense if we had more to go off of, you know? Like, information from his partners and things that was like, Mm -hmm. yeah, he was, he did this and he's got Yeah, like more accounts of like suspicion or anything like that like he would look great to me but again he is the prime suspect by the police which says a lot to me that the police like could never ever rule him out he's always been the prime suspect and yeah what you're saying about the attack stopping when he went to prison for 10 years and then starting up immediately once he got out like that's fucking suspicious robert keith knight also looks really good to me i feel like he looks really really good to me But the only thing that's stopping me from saying, like, yeah, I think it's definitely him, is that the police kind of think that it's not him. Right. (laughs) Even though, like, based on everything that we've researched and seen about him, I'm just like, no, it's fucking him. Yeah. You know? And it just makes me wonder, what the fuck did the police know that's ruling him out, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think this case may never be solved, because I think that there's just... Not that he was too good at covering his tracks, but that... There's so many fucking gross-ass men, and, like, all of them sound like they could be him, you know? That's the thing. Every single one of the suspects, I'm like, I read about them, and I'm like, no, it's definitely him. Oh, no, it's definitely this guy. No, it's definitely this guy. Like, regardless, I think every single one of these guys should be in fucking prison right now because, or should have been in prison for the rest of their lives because they were fucking disgusting and probably pedophiles, you know? Definitely. So. it doesn't matter. They're all gross. Yeah, they're all disgusting and terrible humans. So, I don't know. The fact that during the investigation, they arrested 73 people who weren't even connected to the case because so many people called in with tips and they were like, yeah, this person's kind of fucking weird. And they looked into it and they were just like, oh yeah, we need to charge you with sexual assault or like child pornography or something like that, you know? Right. It's just really gross and I fucking hate it. I agree. Um, One thing that we haven't talked about so far is the fact that, so, a lot of people say that the reason that the, like, attacks stop after Carmaine is because he never really wanted to kill any of his victims, and so Mm -hmm. Carmaine's death is, like, what pushed him to stop attacking young girls. I think that that's possible, but I also think that it's entirely possible that he still was a fucking pedophile and was still attacking people. He just maybe didn't do it in the same way that he had been to try and keep himself from killing somebody else. I think that that's probably what it is. I think that, as we said earlier, after a few weeks after Carmaine's disappearance is when the Spectrum Force investigative team was put together. And that's when the media dubbed him Mr. Cruel. And that's because that's when everybody started to realize that this was all one person. Right. And we know how careful this guy was about not leaving any fingerprints, not leaving any DNA, being so fucking careful to not get caught. Just overly cautious, you know? Right. So, to me, that says that after this force was put together and after they realized that it's one person, he was probably like, oh, fuck, I need to switch up my MO. Right. You know? 
so he changes it up he changes how he's assaulting people i do have a theory about why carmaine was killed like obviously this is just a theory i'm putting it out there like there's no evidence of this or anything like that carmaine was shot three times in the head you know we know that but what if he shot carmaine not because he wanted to what if he intended on releasing carmaine like the other girls but like what if she saw him or saw something she wasn't supposed to something like identifying information yeah or maybe she was escaping exactly but i feel like if she was escaping there would have been like bullet wounds or something in her back or you know but again that's just a theory or maybe he did just escalate realize that he went too far and decided he couldn't ever kill someone again so this was another thing that was in our research usually sex offenders and especially pedophiles don't kill their victims it's pretty rare for them to mm-hmm. um and they don't usually stop and it doesn't usually like escalate in the way that it did and most of the time people who do sex offenses and then escalate to murder it's like strangulation or stabbing or something really personal and like close so the fact that he shot her kind of leads me to believe that it was not a escalation in terms of like him needing more out of what happened but more an escalation in terms of he lost control of the situation somehow and wasn't able to keep her alive i'm definitely leaning more towards thinking that that's what happened and i think I, i read a source or two that mentioned you know maybe that that was why but yeah it is it's it's just theory there's no proof either way it's just i mean i think that that makes sense more than all of a sudden this guy who seemed to kind of think of these situations as at least somewhat consensual and like he was being kind and caring all of a sudden killing somebody doesn't make a ton of sense to me unless it was a situation where he lost control and was not able to let her go i think that what we were saying about him possibly changing his mo like after they realized that it was the same person is also another real reason why i think that robert keith knight looks so good for it is because he was arrested afterwards like after the crimes happened for the sexual assault of two 12 year old girls right one of which happened after these crimes and he had taken photos during the assaults Right. Which we know Mr. Cruel was taking either videos or photos of the assaults. Right. So, like, it just really links them together, you know? Right. Shows that it's possible that he didn't stop, like we're saying. If it's Robert Keith Knight, we know for sure he didn't stop. He continued to sexually assault people, sexually assault little girls. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's super fucked up case. I hate, I hate kids, like people who do stuff to kids i hate it so bad i do too it's really it's really messed up anyways i want you guys to let us all let us both know who you think is the best suspect for it or if you think it's none of them yeah or because if I it's really one that we didn't mention specifically yeah yeah definitely let us know let us know what your theories are on why you think Mr. Crow might have either stopped after killing his one of his victims or if you think he might have just changed his MO. We want to know that too. Definitely. And you can let us know all of that either 
on our Instagram at Fatal Tales or on our Twitter at Fatal Tales Pod. Both of those will be listed in our show notes down below. Um, you can find all our social medias as well as our sources for this episode. I just want to say a big fuck you to the Herald Sun in Australia because while they do have wonderful information, they also made very light of Robert Keith Knight's suicide. And while yes, he was a terrible person, um, suicide's not a fucking punchline. Kay thinks by it's not a punchline, and I don't think it's ever okay to say that like people wish for somebody to kill themselves. I don't think that's ever okay. So fuck you, Harold Sun. Thank you very much. <laughs> Anyways, I just needed to fucking say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> it made me so mad while I was reading it. I was boiling, but like it was the only article I could find that was talking about the stuff that I needed. But also... We would really appreciate it if you would give us a rating on the Apple Podcasts app. They help us out so, so, so much, especially since we're a new podcast. And share this episode with anyone else who you think might want to listen. And yeah, remember guys, be gay and don't do crimes. Or at least don't get caught. Thanks guys. Yeah, have a good one.